Good morning, everyone. We'll take a look at a couple things in the bulletin here. Today, there's a trustees meeting after church. So make sure you stick around for that. Trustees meeting after church if you're a trustee. January 23rd, there will be Bible study at Glenn and Tina Moss's house at 6.30. Um, if you're not sure where that is, you can talk to Glenn and Tina Moss right in the back corner there. Um, prayer meeting January 24th at 6.30. And then family and friends game night will be 6.30 to 8.30 on January 28th. Bring a favorite board game, card game, table game, etc. Bring a snack to share if you'd like. Um, that will be enjoyed. Come one and all and bring a friend too if you'd like. Quarterly reports are going to be due February 1st. And there will be a church board meeting at 6.30 on February 4th. So if you get those quarterly reports done and in, they'll be due February 1st. Also, don't forget to look at the little helper thing on the bottom that tells you when you are supposed to be doing something at the church, whether it's junior church, nursery, or cleaning schedule. And if you have the opportunity to get here a little early when the weather's bad and do some shoveling, I know that's a big help uh, for people coming in and out throughout the day. Is there anything else that needs to be? Yep. Tom? Did you have some recent word on when the trustee's meeting was going to be? I see Greg out here. Andrew. Yeah. This morning he was here. He had to go somewhere. He said tonight. He said tonight. I just know it's today, and it says after church. All I have is the bulletin. That's all I have. Usually it's after church. It's uh, 6.30. <clears throat> 6.30 tonight. Nice. Awesome. Okay, so trustees meeting 6.30 tonight here. Anything else? Okay. Let's begin together then. Trustees meeting, 6 o'clock tonight. That's the final statement on it. No one's, no one's coming to watch the bills. Yeah. <laughs> that could be a problem. That's when the bills game starts. <laughs> well, maybe it's a short meeting. Actually, it doesn't start till 6.30. So. Okay, turn in hymnals to 5.48. Have you any room for Jesus? 5.48. Give to 
You can turn in your Bibles, your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. We'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35, which just talks about uh, the resurrected body of the believers and the difference there will be from what we have now to what we will have then. And some other illustrations of that are just to get a glimpse of the resurrected Christ and the difference in his body as well, and the things that he did as well. Um, and he proved to the people that he could eat. He proved to the people that you could touch him. He was not a ghost. Uh, he still did have um, some scars that you could see in his hands and in his side that Thomas, who was doubting, saw. Because those were, those were things that glorified God in his body. Um, so it will be interesting as we think of our own lives and what will last and what will be new and what our bodies will be like as some of us suffer and as some of us feel very healthy and all the gamut of the things, how tall, how short. Uh, but most importantly, those things will be us not suffering and us being able to love one another um, without sin always kind of behind our eyes, so to speak. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 35, says about the resurrection of the body. Some may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that it will be, um, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he has given its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, and the moon another, and the stars another, and the stars differ from star and splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, and the second man was from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is the man from heaven, so are all those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. And that's where we'll end today. But... You can see in here that you had a natural body that was perishable and it would be raised imperishable. It was natural and it would be raised spiritual. And we'll look at just a glimpse of that today and a lot more. So. Turn your hymn books to 720. Jesus loves even me, 720. <coughs> that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms I remember that Jesus loves me. I am 
loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves even me. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing, when in his beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. for prayer and praises. If you have anything you would like to share, prayer requests, praises you'd like to give. David mentioned in Sunday school there was a local family in Westfield that lost their house to a fire recently so within our close community I'm thankful for my first eye surgery done. seems to go well and have another one upcoming this time of year just Safety and getting there back can be challenging someday. That you can keep your appointment some days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Good. All right. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can gather here together to, to worship you and praise you and fellowship together. Um, we are thankful for this body of believers that, that gathers together. Um, we raise up these requests. Uh, specifically Dan Molson and the heart issues that he has being and that David has a relationship as a neighbor please provide opportunities there for for David to speak to him about the gospel and the goodness of Jesus Christ um, and to work in his life to to meet those needs we pray for this family and that lost their house to a fire we have several families that we know here in our church have experienced that recently, and, and it, it hangs on young David's heart because of that. And we pray for this family, that you would meet their needs, that the community would gather together to support them, um, that your, your followers in Christ would also contribute to their needs, Lord, and um, just raise them up. We thank you that Don experienced a good outcome from this first surgery and uh, we pray the same again for this second one and um, that you would meet his needs there and that he would see a benefit from this in the long run Lord that it is worth the discomfort um, we thank you for the many ways that you show your love to us and meet our needs and um, continually bless us with your mercy and, and grace in Jesus name amen And we're going to stand and sing our worship songs. We're going to begin with Cornerstone. Yeah. 
second song is going to be Days of Elijah. They just follow right along. Even Salem was able to keep up with me. We're going to so sing. Obedient. They are. Yeah. Hymn of Heaven. Sing of Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
you, Lord. Thank you for the songs that remind us of our relationship with you, how you are the cornerstone of our life, how everything that we have revolves around who you are. We praise you for the lives you've given us, lives to serve you, lives to bring glory to you, lives meant to tell others about your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have this hope that lies in us now because of your Son, that one day we will rise again. We will be like him, and we shall see him as he is. We look forward to that day, Lord. We pray that as we listen to your message, that we'll be more and more excited about what you're doing in our lives and in our future. In Christ's name, amen. Those ages four to seven, dismissed to junior church. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. We looked a couple weeks ago that Peter was defending the fact that Christ indeed would return. And so the people were saying, okay, he will return, but why is he taking so long? And so then we looked at the fact that Christ is taking so long because he's being very patient with us. And we asked the question, if Christ had returned 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, what would it have been like for you when he returned? Would it have been hell or would it have been heaven? Uh, should we be so impatient as to say that you should come back today without thinking of the millions or billions who would be cast into hell at the same time? So then we should be patient. He is coming and he is being patient with us. So then as we wait, how should we live? And that's kind of what this section comes into. I'm going to back up a little bit and give you a bit of a contrast. So in 2 Peter chapter 2, he says, this is what false teachers look like. These are the people that you should not follow. This is what their life is like. So I just want to flash back to that. It was only a chapter ago as he gives the examples of who you are not to be as you wait for Christ. And I'm just going to skim a few things, but it's 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 19, and I'll just skim through a few things. He says they're false teachers, number one. Don't be that. They bring in destructive heresies. Don't do that. They're very sensual. They're all about feelings and about uh, feeling good things and pleasure over the things that they ought to be doing. They're greedy. Verse 3, they exploit you with false words, so liars as well. Skipping ahead a little bit into verse 7, it says, um, Lot was greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, and Peter's comparing these people to them. They have very sensual conduct. They are very wicked people in that way. Verse 10, they indulge in the lust of deviling passions, and they despise authority. They're so bold and willful that they don't tremble even as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Uh, so not only are they strong-willed against authority over them, clear, obvious authority over them, they would even blaspheme the glorious ones, the angels, uh, the leaders, the rulers, even God himself, they would blaspheme. Um, they continue in verse 12, they blaspheme about matters that they're ignorant of. So they speak of things especially about God that they know nothing about. Christ won't return. Jesus isn't God. All these things, blasphemy after blasphemy. This is how we should not be. This is who they are. Don't be like them. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. We were talking to the Sunday school class because I, I run through my sermons ahead of time in Sunday school with the kids. And just the fact that there's a certain amount of sinning that anyone tends to do when no one's watching, especially in the nighttime. And you'll hear people say, well, don't go there in the nighttime. 
Don't go there at night because that's the bad place to go. Why at night? Because you're covering all of your deeds. You can get away with more things. Uh, but what it's saying here is that they're doing terrible things in the daytime. This is how bad they are. And thinking that their wickedness is good. You should not be that way. You should be someone who is both, um, I guess, conscience clear, both in the daytime and in the evenings when no one is watching. Do not be like them. They revel in their deceptions. They love to talk about their deceit while they feast with you, while they're fleecing you of your money. They have eyes full of adultery, always looking for something better, insatiable for sin. They entice the unsteady souls. They have hearts that are trained in greed, practiced at it. They're accursed children. Verse 17, they're waterless springs and they're mist driven by a storm. They have nothing to offer you. They say lofty things and they speak a good game, but in the end, you're left with nothing. You're left with less than what you started with when you get to know these people. Don't give in to them. Don't listen to them. Don't be them. They speak loud boasts of folly. They, are, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, and on and on. This is who you should not be. This is what they look like. Peter's warning them over and over again, and then these people are also saying Jesus will not return, but he is returning, and therefore do not be like them. Do not listen to them. You should be something different as you wait for Christ to return. So then jumping ahead into 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 14 is where we're going to look. We had ended at verse 10 last week. I'm going to just back up a little bit and begin it again. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. It says, um, the day of the Lord is a phrase that's used over and over again throughout scripture. It means the judgment of the Lord. It means the time when he will show that he is just and he will rain down his judgment. In different ways through the Old and through the New Testament, this comes up. So it's speaking again of the day of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord. It's going to come like a thief when you least expect it. And it will come to take something. It will burn the heavens and it will burn the earth and it will lay it bare. And it's a very interesting phrase that they use at the end. The works that are done on it will be exposed. And as I was reading this, I was reminded of another text of scripture, which we looked at, um, which we will be looking at in just a second. You're probably all familiar with it, but I wanted to read it again. But his judgment will be thorough. Heavens cleansed, earth cleansed, everything laid bare. The wickedness that's been done, that's been in hiding and in secret will be exposed. The good that's been done, that's been hidden will be exposed. All the works, it says at the end of this passage, will be laid bare. For better or for worse. Why do I say for better or for worse? Well, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15, it almost specifically speaks of this kind of a time. Um, it's really great the way they kind of go hand in hand, I would say, with a systematic theology. Um, systematic theology just means there's a system with which you study the scripture as well, not just one portion to pull it out of context, but in the larger context of scripture, you build a system of theology. And one of those things is what are your works all about? If they don't get me saved, then what for? Like some people said, well, why don't we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? And, and Paul says, by no means should you do that. So then works are for what? 1 Corinthians 3 verses 10 to 15 says this. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one of you take care how he builds upon it. So, uh, Paul here is saying, I built a foundation for you guys. Someone else is going to come in after I pass away and build a foundation as well. You need to pay attention to how you're building that foundation of your life. Is it built on Christ or is it built on something completely different? 
It says this, let, let each one of you take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So there will be people out there who are saying, oh, Jesus isn't God, Jesus isn't Lord, but they'll try and get you to build a foundation on something else. Right now, the world is mostly saying, build a foundation on yourself. You be the grounding of your foundation. You be the grounding of truth. You be the grounding of your purpose. And what he's saying is Christ should be the foundation of your truth for your life, for your purpose. It's all grounded in Christ. And if anybody's saying anything different, do not listen to them. So now that you have that foundation, this is how you should build. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest or evident. For the day will disclose it. So the day, the day of the Lord will disclose what is happening here, what you've been doing, because it will be revealed by fire. This is all referencing back to all the apostles who speak of the end of the days, when all of your deeds will be exposed. And what he's saying is when that day comes, when the fire comes, it will test what sort of work each person has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. It's kind of like, right, the uh, wolves that are huffing and puffing on the building of the pigs, whether it's straw, hay, or brick. What is going to stand? When Christ comes, what of your works are done for Christ? And what are just done out of selfish ambition, vain conceit? If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, not only as through fire. There's a bit of assurance built into this passage as well, that if your foundation is Christ, should all be burnt away off of that foundation, you will still be saved, even though you may suffer uh, I think, I don't know if it continues in this passage or not, there's a, but there's a place that also says it'll smell a little bit like smoke, basically. Like you're right there on the verge. Um, but only as through fire. So if you look back to this passage, all the heavens and all the earth will pass away and all these works will be exposed. And what will be exposed? You'll see what burns in your life and what it is that lasts, what it is that will be rewarded. It's important to always remember that these works do not save you. And it's clear in this passage that they don't save you. What God has done is given you an opportunity to not just live life for nothing. Right? The world would live its life and say, hey, you only live once, just like get it all out, do all the things, because it's all going to go. And what Jesus is saying is the opposite. There will be some that remains. This isn't pointless here, what you're doing. You're not just passing time till Christ returns. You're building up rewards. You're building up glory for Christ. You're building up other people in the faith. You're spreading the gospel of Christ. You're, getting, you're laying foundations for other people. And then you're helping them to build beautiful homes on top of those foundations of Christ. Encouraging people to build with gold and silver and not with straw and hay, things that will burn, but instead building with things that are pure and righteous. Not building like the wicked men who love their sensuality and their adultery and their greed, but building like righteous men and women of God with gold and silver and things that are pure and right and lovely and that we would think on those things. So then if we walk in these good works, we will then be rewarded in our lives. It's not just salvation and then we do stuff. It's salvation and then God has prepared ahead of times works that we should walk in them. I was asking the class, oh, what are these works? And it was like almost complete silence. And then my, my one son was like, Dad, can I get up and get a drink? I was like, no, just wait till the end of class. And Selah slides over a drink. She's like, here you go, you have a drink. And I was like, rewards. It's a good work. He's thirsty. She has water. And she gives it to him to drink. And I said, well, you got your reward on earth now because everybody knows about it. <laughs> right? But that is the point. It's a small thing. It's not like, well, if I want to do some really good works, I got to go there. I got to do that big thing. No, love your wife this morning and your children throughout the day and all the things, the little things. Love your neighbor. 
Bless those who curse you. Be generous with people. Be hospitable to people. Those are the works that God has called you to do. Be faithful in those things, and you are building upon the foundation that is Christ. And then people see this house that you're building, and they say, how to can I have a house like that? And you say, well, first your foundation must be Christ. Otherwise your building is in vain. And that should make sense to them and that should make sense to you. And by the grace of God, he will open their eyes to that truth as well. So then how then should we live? So since all these things are to be dissolved, verse 11, what sort of people are you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? So in light of Christ's return, we ought to live holy lives, set-apart lives, different from the world kinds of lives. We ought to understand what it is that the Lord desires of us in his word and then pursue those things and reject those other things. The truth of the rewards and the truth of the burning is the truth. It's not a threat. If you see it as a threat, like do good things or it's all going to burn, that's not the point. Everybody else was living thinking that this is it, this is all, this is what we get, or I have to work, 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 or else. Christ is saying, you have been redeemed, and there's lots of good works to do, and you will be rewarded for those things. Here's an opportunity. Sure, you can live in a house of hay, you can live in a house of wood, with some sprinkles of gold and silver, But the point is that you can have more to the glory of God in the way that you live your life. Look at how Jesus built his house. How selflessly, how thoughtfully, how graciously, how much forgiveness and truth. Think about those things and then build your house on the foundation of Christ. That's important. So what sort of people should we be if these things are going to be dissolved? We look at the godly attitude of Christ in his life, and we hope to strive to live that way by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we wait, verse 12, we wait for and hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. We live with a life, with a worldview that says, Jesus will come soon, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Jesus will come soon, anytime, soon, whatever that means in God's time. If a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, and we've waited 2,000 so far for his return. And so we long for the day of his return, but we don't just sit and we don't just twiddle our thumbs. We don't just wonder when he'll come and bury our heads in the sand and say, woe is me about this world. He has given us good works to do. And so today, maybe you'll make the dinner. Maybe you'll buy the dinner. Maybe you'll look for a need and fulfill it. Maybe you'll take care of your parents. Maybe you'll take care of your children. Whatever that list is, that good work, God has them planned for you to do. Build on your house with those things of God that glorify him, the gold and silver and things that do not pass away. So we wait for and also hasten or long for it to come quickly. So we're patient, but also ready. At the same time, it's this weird, like, God, I know you're going to come soon, but if it could be today, that would be great. And until then, I will serve you. So verse 12, we're waiting for the day and the hastening of the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Because of the day of God, the heavens will be set on fire. The heavenly bodies will burn, and we will have a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 13, but according to this promise, we're waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwell. Isaiah 65 talks about this. 66 talks about this. Parts of Revelation talk about this. They speak of no suffering, no crying, no wickedness, no water. So big oceans and stuff almost cease to be. Often we get confused, or at least the world's confused, thinking that we will be living somewhere in heaven out there, floating around maybe on your cloud or whatever the image is that you have in your head. But in fact, there's a new heaven 
and a new earth that will be prepared. It's amazing whenever you like watch Discovery or whatever it is, the intricacies of the world that you can see. And every now and then they try and either dig deeper or go under the water deeper or go into the universe farther or look farther with a telescope to see more. And the vastness that we see in this fallen world and the beauty that we see in this fallen world is, seems to be unending, ceaseless. They cannot get machines in some of the depths of the oceans and they can't get someone far enough into space to see everything that's been created. We don't have the visual capacity to see some of the colors in the world. We don't have the ears to hear some of the sounds that are being made. It's amazing when they first heard whale sounds and wondered what in the world was going on. And to know that those whale sounds can be so powerful that they can heat your body. So powerful that you can have a heart attack from the sound of it if you're too close. And divers have to be very careful that they aren't killed by the sounds of these whales. There was a creature this one time which looks like just a little brown, ugly squirrel just climbing some trees until you shine a black light on it and it lights up like a Christmas tree. There are all these things that we don't see. Well, there will be a new heaven, like you think this is profound, and a new earth. That will be even more profound. <clears throat> Our glimpse is so small of what the new heaven and new earth will be like, and we have enough to look at here, and we say, what will we do for eternity? Dive the depths. Go to the farthest reaches of the heavens, and there will be no end. The intricacies of the molecule, like all these things, unfathomable things. It's not just a floating and ever presence of the glory of God. It's the ever presence of the glory of God showing his children, look. Look around. Look what I also made you capable of. You thought you were talented in this way before. Now watch. Full of energy. Full of creativity. The strength you never had even as an 18-year-old man. Who knows what it is? But this is a new heaven and a new earth with glorified bodies, with supernatural bodies. Bodies that were once made of the dust are now made something else, something like Christ. We were discussing as well, well, how much like Christ. Jesus one day is not in a room, and then minutes later he just shows up in a room, and then he leaves the room. Do we get to do that? I don't know. He didn't come through a door or a window. He just showed up there. I don't know. But there's more than just this. This is a fallen world, and still we're amazed. There will be a new world, a new heaven, a new earth. No sin, no suffering, no sadness, no wondering what somebody is actually thinking. They're just going to say it. That's beautiful. Well, they said it was beautiful, but I don't know if they meant it was beautiful. You know, they literally meant it was beautiful. He said my food was good, but I don't know if he just wants more food or he actually thinks it's good. No, we actually think it's good. Yeah. Foods like you've never tasted. And Christ there along the way. It's a wonderful place to remember. And right now, you are building upon that foundation that is Christ for the day that the Lord will return. So according to his promise, we're waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I love that righteousness dwells. It's there. It just lives there. Not wickedness, not immorality, but righteousness dwells there, which is Christ, which is God, which is the Holy Spirit, which is us in heaven with him. The first Corinthians 15, 42 to 49, I had read before, just in case you missed it the first time, let me just read it again. This is the bodies that we get. So this is the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. So what is sown, what he's talking about here is like a seed. You take a little seed, it looks ugly and gross and weird, you throw it in the ground, and it sprouts up to something beautiful and amazing and delicious. You were sown that way. Your body is like that. And then it's raised something imperishable. You are no longer perishable. No more death. No more dying. No more breaking down. But instead, building up growing, flourishing always. Once perishable is now imperishable. It was once sown in dishonor and sin and wickedness. Now it is raised in glory. Right? The glory of the sun. 
the glory of the Father, the glory that he has given to us in robes of white and impurity. This is what he offers our new bodies. You were sown in weakness. Again, even at your max fence press, whatever that is, even at your max abilities, you're going to be raised in something with power. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body, the natural body that can be broken and beaten and falling apart, but a spiritual body that never ends and never dies and goes on always. If there's a natural body, it's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So speaking of the first being Adam, Adam, and the second being Christ, the second Adam being a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, the man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so also bear the image of the man of heaven. We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. What a great transition! It does sound terrifying, the fires and the burning and the collapse, but there is so much promised from top to bottom that is coming for us, from the very innermost workings of our hearts to the ends of the heavens. They will be touched and made new by Christ. Verse 14, therefore, beloved, He repeats that again, beloved, therefore, dear friends, therefore, children, therefore, elect ones, therefore, chosen ones of God, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, since you're waiting for these things, since you have a job to do, be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And so there's a couple ways to take this, you know. So if you're not a Christian, to be spotless and without blemish is to be in Christ. That's the only way. That is the only way to be spotless before God when he returns. But also for the Christian, that you would be striving now to get rid of those things that would make you dirty and to put on those things that would make you clean, that your conscience would be clean. But not only that, so much so that when you sin against someone that you would ask for forgiveness, that you would repent of your sins to God, and so therefore you could be at peace. So when he comes to find our church, he doesn't find it divided, he finds it at peace. When he comes to see your family, he finds it at peace. When he comes to see you, he finds your heart at peace. And this peace comes from your foundation being on Christ. Immovable, unshakable. And from then on out, he gives you the opportunity to build on that foundation with precious jewels and things that last forever. The cup of water, the kind word, the encouragement, the discipline, the rebuke, the hope. A life that's focused on what is it that I could do for Christ because that will last. That will last. And that is hard, but it is better. And with the Holy Spirit and with a focus on what Christ has done for you, the work that he has done in you, there can be joy in all of that. A joy in knowing that I am walking like Christ, living like Christ, living for Christ, and secure in my salvation. Not always looking over my shoulder saying, was that too much sin? Did that make him really mad? Instead saying, thank you, Christ, for knowing all my sin." past, present, future, for dying to save me, for forgiving me, for being patient with me and long-suffering with me. Thank you. Help me to continue. So since Christ is returning soon, we need to have our lives oriented correctly. Life is not all there is. This life, you do not only live once, you live forever. There's an end to this world, and it will not come through some human cataclysmic error it will be Christ who ends this world and it will be Christ who makes a new world you can put as many solar panels as you want to on things you will not save this planet 
many wind turbines as you want, you will not save this planet. Christ will save. Christ will destroy and Christ will make new. The only thing that will last in this life are the things that are done for Christ and our souls. Those things will last forever. What we have is merely to help us in what we can do for Christ and his kingdom. Do you have a cell phone? Use it for Christ. Do you have a business? Use it for Christ. Do you have strength? Use it for Christ. Do you have a gift? Use it for Christ. Whatever it is. Do you have a car? Use it for Christ. Because the car will burn. The business will burn. Your cell phone? Burn. Your clothes? Burn. But the things that you've done with those things will last into eternity. Use them for Christ, whatever it is that you have. Christ is coming again to judge the ungodly and the wicked. And for all those who are already in Christ, God's judgment has fallen on him. And for those who are not in Christ, they will pay for their sins forever. So in light of the coming of Christ, put your faith in him. This should be obvious. Put your faith in him. Share your faith, the foundation of your life, with others as well. Wait patiently for Christ as you store up treasures that will not be burned up and encourage others to do the same. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this day that you have made. Help us to rejoice and to be glad in it. Help us to build upon this day uh, gold and silver and not hay and straw. God, forgive us when we build of anything other than uh, the good works that you would have for us. Help us to be patient with one another and forgiving with one another. Help us to help others to build their homes in the same way on the foundation of Christ, reminding them that their foundation is Christ, reminding of their salvation reminding them that their works are not the final verdict of their souls, but it is what Christ has accomplished, the work that Christ has done, the righteousness of Christ that makes us well and whole and forgiven and justified and glorified ultimately. And help us to rest in that today and tomorrow until the day you return. In Jesus' name, amen. great sermon today. I appreciated that, how much we got to look forward to and the blessings that we're going to have then, and also the blessings we can have every day in our life now serving Christ. And, and so uh, we are going to do something today uh, in appreciation for our three speakers that we have here. Now, we don't often have things to, to honor maybe the the people that clean the floors and serve the food and do the different simple things that, that are done, clean the walk outside of the snow and stuff. But, but uh, I hope that you all know that the Lord is happy and pleased that you're willing to serve him and give him due for, for the things you do for him. But uh, uh, today we want to honor these three men that speak each week. They do it. They've done it for quite a while without any pay. And it takes a lot to do that. I don't know how many of you would be willing to speak up here once, twice, once a month, or three, four times a month. I don't know. I've spoken a couple of times over the years up here. It's, it's uh, pretty easy to do, fairly easy to do for just one Sunday, but to do it for a month in a row is, is, takes a lot of dedication and a lot of work. So we want to honor these three men. So Greg and Josh, if you'd come up here, we got... We want to give you something for, for your efforts and your work and realize that that's a, a real sacrifice to give that much of your time. Other people do that in other areas, but how many of us would want to speak up here for every month, for a, every day, every Sunday for a month, every three, every three months or so? <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. So, Tom, we thank you and the Lord bless you.
Great. Thank you for your services, all of you. Appreciate it. Thank you. I don't know who headed this up. I, I know that Stephanie was involved in that. She may have had some helpers with her, but she's the one that was involved in getting this under motion. And the people really supported it really strong. I don't know if they want to tell you what they got out of it the next week or anything, but that's From all of us, thank you very much. We, um, we're grateful to be free to serve the Lord and to enjoy that and appreciate God using us in that way. Let's finish by singing three verses of 669 throughout the lifeline. First three verses. Throw out the lifeline across the dark wave. There is a brother whom someone should save. Somebody's brother, oh, who then will share? To throw out the lifeline, his peril to share. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. Throw out the lifeline with and strong. Why do you carry? Why linger so long? See, he is sinking, oh, hasten today, and throw out the lifeboat, away then, away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, Someone is sinking today. Throw out the lifeline to danger fraught men. Sinking in anguish where you've never been. Winds of temptation and billows of woe. Will soon hurl them out where the deck riders flow. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, someone is sinking today. I appreciated the end of this. I told my wife I thought we should sing the fourth verse, but I'm just going to read it because I think it fits with what Josh talked about. Someday it's going to end. The opportunity will end. It says, Soon will the season of rescue be over. Soon will they drift to eternity's shore. Haste then, my brother. No time for delay. But throw out the lifeline and save them today. Throw out the lifeline. Just the opportunity we have to share this message of Jesus Christ. It will come to an end. And this is our opportunity. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we're so thankful. Thankful for what we have to look forward to. And, and yes, it seems like we wish it would come soon. But Lord, we do have many that we would want to see come to know you. Help us to be faithful in our lives, to live lives that would draw attention to you, that would draw others to you, that we could Deliver the message from your word about your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Thank you for giving us opportunity to serve you and to put out there your word. We pray, Lord, that you'll honor your word by bringing many. Help us to be faithful in Christ's name. Amen.